We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But isn't it time you take a break from your normal, boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, having a blast while you file your taxes. No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice cold Baja Blast today at a store near you. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so don't wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary, open to U.S. residents 18 or older, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15, 2024, void where prohibited. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey Iz. Hi Em. Something I was loving this week, kind of just as a side plot to the whole Travis, Kelsey, Taylor Swift thing, is that for your average person, the video of them walking to the SNL after party was exhilarating because of the PDA we've been getting the whole thing. And of course that stands. But in addition for Bravo viewers, the fact that they are walking into catch felt so additive. It was like, what a way to conclude the New York season with a catch resurrection. Literally justice for catch. When we were watching that all go down, we promised each other we were going to go have dinner and we still have yet to, but I am craving that spicy tuna platter more and more as the weeks go on. And you know what? Travis and Taylor being there, I think, is the vindication that Erin Leachy needed. (laughs) Exactly. By the way, not that New York was so crazy this week, although the last couple of minutes definitely popped off. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts because I I certainly have some. I thought it was a really good episode. It wasn't a great finale because I was like, wait, 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 there's more. I want more. So there's all these things that will come up in the reunion that are not circling back, but sort of are a continuation of the conversations. I think production and probably the women did not see it going in such a way where things are a little bit unsettled and there's a lot of discussion still to be had. But I also think that gears us up for a really good season too. And honestly, it gave us a lot. You know what I mean? Which is which is all we could ask for. It wasn't boring. No, it definitely wasn't boring. I mean, just a couple of key takeaways. I would say, number one, if I'm Jessel, I'm thrilled at the way that my character has progressed throughout the season. You know, initially I think people were a little bit weary and she really ended up on top, which I would love to deep dive a little bit more. And I'm happy for her because I think she really deserves it. She came to the table and did the thing. And second of all, I am continually confused by Sai and specifically, you know, towards the end of this episode, just deeply confused at the way the whole Bryn Uba situation went down and really more so like the way that the blame is being distributed. I mean, the Jessel 180 is something that people should study in the history books. I also think not only is Jessel pleased in the way that her season turned out and also the social media and viewer response to her. But the other women who definitely thought as they were filming, this is going to go a certain way. They are so on the wrong side of history and they are eating their words. Well, what I find to be kind of an interesting conversation that's happening on social media right now is now that the other women have presumably seen the way the audience has responded to Jessel. And I agree, it's probably not what they anticipated because I think 
maybe they thought she was a little bit of the underdog. It will be very telling going into next season, the way that they choose to align or not, but probably align themselves with her a little bit more. Whereas previously, you know, maybe being on the offense with her felt like it was a safer bet, you know, to get the, the fans on your side. And that was just so clearly not the case. And I think that while they were filming, they really didn't expect it going in that way and probably were a little bit surprised at the audience response. And again, if I'm Jessel, what a fuck you. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's honestly incredible, the evolution and everyone in the audience, including us, just like how you get to know somebody and understand them and also what just makes somebody such a good housewife. It's really, it was honestly a joy to watch Jessel. I think also that her, you know, a big thing we saw over the course of the season was an increase in her confidence. And to to me, that was very evident. Totally, totally. So imagine what she's going to be like on season two after all of this and a little Bravo con sprinkled in. Forget about it. Oh, forget about it. (laughs) Okay, we got got to talk this this Cy Uba thing. With the Connecticut man. Yes. Like, I don't understand how Cy got out of it. That's what I'm saying. It's like, okay... Yeah, you're admitting I said something to Aaron very vague on camera, but then it nothing this circle of trust me telling the other girls off camera wasn't wasn't, you know, supposed to get out there whatever. It was like it was all sketchy, but just because she was admitting it and because she technically didn't say that part on camera was okay, but Bryn saying the exact same thing that Sai said to Aaron in the mask Halloween shop at the party was not okay. So I think this will be a huge reunion kind of moment where Uba will be able to see it all side by side in a row and understand the problem of like that it really rooted from Sai and it wasn't a Bryn thing. I mean, yeah, it was annoying of Bryn after Sai asked her, obviously, but like let's get back to the root square root of the issue here. The way that I see it is like, yes. Obviously, Sai told Bryn and Aaron that in confidence. And we would all be lying if we said that when someone tells us a secret, there aren't maybe one or two very close friends that we have in our circle of trust that we maybe share that with. So I'm not villainizing Sai for saying something to someone that she thought she could trust. Is it wrong? Yeah, specifically when you're on a show with people who would probably share this type of information. But like, we've all been there. To say that we haven't is just lying. The thing that I was honestly more confused about, and I guess if I'm Sai, kind of thrilled about is like Uba, at least from what we saw, really wasn't angry with her. It, it, was, it, it was somehow, you're right, it like completely bypassed her and Uba's frustration and anger was towards Bryn, which again, I get it. Like I, if I'm Uba, I'm not thrilled with Bryn, but the only reason Bryn knows is because of Sai. Bryn could not have had this fuck up if Sai didn't have the fuck up in the first place. And I just thought the way that she was so quick or, or Sai was so quick to absolve herself. And then that was only emphasized by Uba being so quick to absolve her was just like, Wait a second. If this was real life and not recorded on television, Sai would have just gotten away with murder and like should be honestly so proud that she slithered out of that one. And great, like let everyone figure it out. And by the time they do, it'll be sort of over with. But because it was all filmed and will be so heavily documented and analyzed by the women of the train of, you know, telephone, the game that was played... Sai's not getting out of this. She got out of it for the moment, but we are circling the fuck back to it. I don't know if Uba will still have the same energy about it because maybe she doesn't care as much. Time has passed. I don't even know if she's still with this guy or if it's less sensitive than it was in the beginning being such a big secret. So like, 
that's the only difference will be the stakes aren't as high. So, you know, I don't know if she'll be as affected by it getting out there or, you know, upset with Cy for saying it. But I am really curious on how that conversation will go down because I think it will change her perspective of history. Well, in the one clip we saw, and I don't really know context, but the one clip that I did see from the reunion, it was Bryn and Uba going at it a little bit. So I wonder if that was kind of the the source of it. Yeah. I also, so, I mean, I, we've said this the whole season, like I'm a really big fan of Bryn. I really, really like her. I think she's a great housewife. I think she brings such a fun energy and I'm fully on board. The one thing that I think I would feel a little bit hesitant about if I was her friend or someone on the cast with her, I guess more specifically, is that she's really good at knowing what's going to pop off. Like she can play producer a little bit and she loves being in it for the drama. She loves, you know, a good one-liner in her confessional, which of course makes a good housewife. However, I do wonder if at times like she'll go against what she knows is the right thing because it's the good thing from a reality TV perspective. Not and anything overly severe, like it's not like this was ruining someone's life by sharing this, but I could understand if I'm Sai being like, listen, we had this agreement, like don't do it just for the show. I know she switches up real quick because you think she's really trustworthy and a good friend. And like, I can feel like I would sit at a dinner with her, have a martini and be like staring into her eyes and spilling my guts and feeling so safe and trusting. And I do think that it is a huge part of her personality, but I also think the cameras are there. You're the spunky, like outspoken cast member kind of put into this corner and you want to say something and you know, you want to go there, but not go too far. And you want to stir up drama, but not too much drama. And she's just walking that really delicate balance and trying to find the line. I think again, a first season is a learning curve. So hopefully she'll perfect the art of it by season two, because I think she could be honed into like an amazing cast member once she sort of figures out like her own personal views and beliefs and also the good of the show, like balancing that and not becoming like a Tamra where you completely lose your sense of self. And it's all about the good of the show and the drama and making television and being like an actor, producer and writer all in one in the housewife. Well, right. And I, and I think the thing that, you know, I would say to Bryn is like, you yourself make great television without throwing anyone else under the bus. You know, obviously there's some of that, that is just a requirement for a housewives show, but like I find her alone to be so entertaining. I feel like makeup in general and specifically a daily makeup routine is so personal and that we've all kind of gotten down to a science, what works for us, what we need before we leave the house. Like where do we feel our most comfortable? And for me on a daily basis, I wear really, really minimal makeup. I actually think I feel the most comfortable with the least amount of makeup, but my two Holy Grail products always have been, I think always will be, are mascara and lip gloss. Maybe a little highlight on the inner corner if I'm feeling crazy. But honestly, whether you are fresh face, full glam, wherever you fall, you have probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. It's the one in that turquoise tube that you see all over social media. So Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. They have a lot of great products, but the one I want to focus on is the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. First of all, it lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking, which 
I'm telling you right now, I have a zero tolerance policy for flaking with my mascara. Like I'm just not trying to put you on my lashes if you're going to flake. And they have a flake-free tubing formula that dramatically lengthens and defines your lashes from root to tip. So it kind of looks like lash extensions without the damaging glue or salon prices. Also super easy removal, slides right off with warm water and a washcloth, no soap required. And it has nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's just like very much worth the hype. I had seen it a lot. And once I tried it, I was like, oh, okay, this is why I see it everywhere. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 20% off your first order. I came to the realization recently that I was just like desperately in need of a closet clean out because you know when you're getting ready and you just can't find anything, you have so many things that you don't even wear that you can't find the stuff that you do wear and it's just like a chaotic and unenjoyable process. That was me. I'm still, to be honest with you, in the process of cleaning out, but One of the biggest game changers for me in this process has been finding just like high quality essentials that I can mix and match with anything so that I can have less things, but the things that I have, I can wear with a lot. And I've told you guys about them before, but I think that Quince is one of the best at this in terms of just finding the high quality affordable pieces. And they have a lot of really great sweaters. I love their Mongolian cashmere oversized boyfriend cardigans. I just find them to be so comfortable. I have them in a bunch of colors. They also have washable silk tops, which are amazing, like really easy, comfortable, high quality throw-ons that you can wear for so many different occasions. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So the way that it works is by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes that savings onto us, which is kind of like best case scenario for all involved. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Something I would like to touch on because I find it to be kind of bothersome. And I say this really actually liking Erin, but the constant obsession between her and Sai with Pavin and Jessel's marriage is so bizarre to me because, you know, it's one thing if someone says something that really does hit a nerve or you're witnessing behavior that you do find to be a little bit concerning. And maybe, you know, it's not really your business to go there, but you're on a show, so you're going to talk about it. But they are reaching. I mean, they are reaching so unbelievably hard. It was one thing with the Vietnam situation that was just like, ridiculous. But then on top of it, to twist something that he said that I actually think was really a compliment to Jessel, like what a beautiful thing to be with someone who allows you to do you and be you and you can do this and they can do the same into something that could maybe be perceived as like concerning. I just thought that was unnecessary and honestly made them look bad. They are going to pull a muscle with how far they are fucking reaching with this. I mean, first of all, when you rewind back to what he said at the golf night about letting, you know, she lets me do what I want. That's not what he said. He actually said this like amazing thing that said that, but it's about doing what you want in your life, but having someone by your side who you can do it with. And like, it was an amazing answer, I thought. And if they hadn't turned attention to it, we never would have thought about it again. Also the ring thing, weird. And also their obsession with this Vietnam trip is, 
I think the weirdest thing ever. First of all, I don't think it's weird in the like, yeah, maybe it's like a little quirky, you know, to do a mileage run. You've never heard of it. Fine, like follow the points guy. But the obsession with like when she said it was and calling her a liar because she said it was in a couple of weeks, but he said we don't have the ticket yet and they don't understand the logistics of the open ticketing. It's like literally, why do you care? And then take it a step further to like call out Jessel and try and find her caught in some lie that she actually could give less of a fuck about. So here's the thing. As a housewife, there are maybe two opportunities throughout a season when you can call someone a liar and it can really hit. Because naturally there is going to be some lie, some miscommunication, something that is so genuinely upsetting that you can call someone a liar and they're not going to take it well, but at least it can be felt by the other people. To me, I was like, this is what you're going to use your liar card on? Like her changing the dates of her husband's Vietnam mileage trip? I just, no, you got to get new material. I mean, Erica flipped out on Teddy one season for even insinuating that she was a liar and that she was like, you know, having pretend amnesia. And that was like literally the storyline for the rest of the season. You don't just throw that around. I think it's a huge accusation. And then when it comes down to you, maybe just being wishy-washy about when your husband's trip is because like at the end of the day, why is it anyone's business? And also who cares? She barely cares. Yeah, You're right. Like they swiped that card way too soon over something that was not even worth it for a millisecond. I just don't like the way Cy talks to Jessel. Honestly, if you had to ask me to give yeah. me the most reductive summary of this entire episode, that is my most reductive summary. I don't like that Cy talks to Jessel as though she is below her. And she's not. Like, this is your equal. You were on the same show together. You were first season housewives together. And the uh, what I think I find uh, frustrating about it or just like not a good look is the confidence with which she talks down to her. That's what I don't like. It's like, she's saying it expecting that she's going to get this really positive reaction from the group because she feels somehow entitled that she can speak to just in whatever way. And it's, it's just slightly bizarre. Wait, by the way, sorry, I, I didn't even mention this. This was also strange to me. I really disliked, and maybe you could say it was coming from a good place. I don't think it was malicious, but Bryn like constantly making it a thing that Jessel wasn't standing up for herself. I actually think Jessel was doing her own version of standing up for herself. And I felt like that was such a strange thing for Bryn to continually harp on. Yeah. Like in theory, it's coming from a good place, but this was not the place to start like harping on it and making it an issue between you two, you know, like she already has enough on her plate. Let her like figure out through the night and enjoy your birthday party versus you now adding like another thing on the checklist of stuff that she has to now address at this party and like say to you, you know, like she, it felt like she wanted her to answer to her about it and do something. And you're right. I think in Jessel's way, her just being nonchalant and like showing how little all of these things were affecting her and how much she like doesn't, care or give mind to it is exactly her standing up for herself because it made everyone else feel like if she doesn't care, why should I care? Yes. And with the side thing, I think it was like, A, she thought the group will think she's really doing something and B, she'll think the, she thought the viewers really would think she's doing something. And I don't know, maybe in the moment the group is like, yeah, go side. Like you're really owning her, but that is not the reaction the public has had. And like we said in the beginning of the episode, I think that'll be a big wake up call. And I'm curious how to go down in the reunion and also like if, you know, they're both back, what that looks like. 
Totally, totally. And by the way, I, I'm, I don't think at least, I mean, it's hard to say if you're 100% viewing it objectively, but I don't feel like I'm having that reaction just because it's coming from Sai, who I don't feel that I've connected with that much. I think that I would have that reaction if anyone was talking to anyone like that. Like there's a way to fight and you can even fight dirty. It's just when you start talking down, I, I find it to be dismissive and kind of disrespectful. And that's what I don't love. And if I'm being my most honest, it's for two reasons. First of all, Obviously, the fact that it can't make Jessel feel good to be spoken to like that. So, of course, it's like a person watching the show. You don't want someone else to like feel bad. But second of all, selfishly, it makes it less enjoyable of a watch when you can't even like fully consume the drama in such an exciting way because you kind of feel bad for someone being treated like that. It's like, wait, don't ruin my viewing experience. Right. Like, don't damp my good time. Right. Right. But it's also like Psy would come into it and say all these things, but then also like not want to hear Jessel's response or give her the like time to accurately answer and like say, she'd be like, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. It's like, well then don't bring it up. Right. You, you, you got to pick one. Yeah. Like pick a lane. Yeah. I don't know. Listen, it was a good finale. I'm excited for the reunion. And I think what I'm most excited for is the fact that we are growing with this women as they're growing with one another. And that's a fun place to be. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. I say this with the actual content that they ended up discussing aside, but when Madison walks into Craig's house and Paige sits down at the table and is like, I am so ready to talk some shit. 
so fucking relatable. Yeah, you know what? Finally, somebody said it. I'm right. sick of all these fucking bitches, these housewives being like, oh, so what's going on in your life? Like, oh, I heard this. No, sit down. Let's talk some shit. And like, let's cut to the chase and also get our paycheck and really address why we are all here, gathered here today. And again, as we say every week, no one is more of a yenta than Craig. No one is more of a yenta than Craig. I will tell you though, the Paige Craig Madison trio is like, Opposite of nightmare blunt rotation, dream shit talking circle. Yeah, they they do it well. I can't even tell you that they don't. Well, what I always think about, and I forget it, honestly, but if you would have told Craig a little while back that Madison would be coming over to his house and would be one of Paige's favorite people in Charleston and they would have this like, honestly, pretty nice relationship that I think that we're forgetting the way that Madison was viewed by Austin's friends for a little while there. I mean, think about that reunion where... Craig was like yelling at her the whole time. If we had fast forwarded to this, we would have not known what hit us. No, no, not at all. I mean, there's a lot that is going on. Just generally speaking, this entire episode obviously was really heavy and really sad. And we can talk about that in a moment. I want to give that like the the moment that it deserves. I want to say on a side note for a second, Patricia and Michael on FaceTime was so important to me. That was the epitome of just wholesome, heartwarming, beautiful content. When Michael on FaceTime looked at Patricia and said, I love your sweater. Is that the Dolce & Gabbana? I nearly fainted. Oh my God. And and also like, I cannot imagine a more high stakes moment than if I am Whitney and I have to crush the ice for my mom's martini in front of Michael. Like the a master last- himself. Oh my God. That is the last person I ever want to watch me make a martini. I just, he is the sweetest man in the world and his relationship with Patricia is so special. And I'm so glad he got a moment back on the show because like he truly was a star character and everybody felt such a love and, you know, a relationship towards him that like he just, I don't know, he deserves a little moment back in the spotlight for his fans. Well, something that this scene really highlighted for me, and it's not Southern Charm specific, it really is across all Bravo. There are these people on these shows that maybe at first glance or to the untrained eye would be considered side characters, but to us, they have become such main characters, such like integral parts of the network. And so here I am, and I'm noticing the reaction I have within myself when I see Michael in Sarasota, Florida on FaceTime and I'm just overcome with emotion. Like it's, it's honestly so endearing and it's, you know, yes, I love Michael, but it's not just him. I can list multiple people from every single franchise where I can list multiple people from every single city that I feel that way about. They, they really made such an impact on the viewers. I know it, that really goes into our game of like people we think about that don't know we're thinking about them. Yes. You know, like I just doubt Michael is sitting there in Florida, just living his life, knowing that like <laughs> there's two girls walking on the West Side Highway talking about Michael making a martini. You know what right. I mean? Like right. Right. he doesn't realize. No, he is not thinking that we are curious about how he's feeling about the assisted living facility he's living in, but we are and we really want the best for him. And we're not the only ones. <laughs> no, we are certainly not the only ones. Wait, this scene with... Shep and little Craig was so touching. I know. And Emma's not exactly like a dog person. No, but I was really touched by it because Shep was, you could, the emotion was so raw. I know. And like the collage of when he got him. I mean, that's also how I felt last week when Taylor saw 
Little Craig, it's just the fact that his name is Little Craig is really, it's just something I can't even get into that. But that his name, when Taylor saw Little Craig and Shep was just getting so emotional watching them reconnect, like this dog is a huge part of his life. By the way, talk about another person who has no idea how much we think about him. <laughs> little Craig. Like, seriously, that he is no longer a side character. I would consider Little Craig a main character in the show. I agree. Give, give him a spot on the couch at the right. reunion. Exactly. By the way, talk about someone who knows all the shit going down. No one knows more than that little French bulldog. Uh, <laughs> no one. No one. I mean, ugh, this episode was honestly so fucking sad. It was like raw emotion in a way that honestly felt very vulnerable. It did. And I also think it being introduced in the way that it was with Leva getting that phone call and her and Vanita sitting there and you know, they have to do that fourth wall break because it's like such a big thing. And I think production is like, holy shit. And they're like, holy shit, we have to like, you know, cut filming, let's go and figure this out. It just like, my heart, it sunk when she was on the phone. It was really so sad. And immediately you just felt for Olivia and her family. And then like as a separate to watch the way that everyone banded together around her, I found to be really special. And those are the moments where, yeah, it's a show that they're filming here, but also in a show like Southern Charm, these relationships run deep. And even though Olivia may be kind of new to the circle, there is that kind of community feeling in Charleston. And it was really evident here. And I mean, I have a million things to say on this, and I'm sure that, you know, other people who have experienced grief, I'm sure also, you know, I'm sure personalize it in some way. The first point that I wanted to make is that when Shep said to Craig on the phone, you know, I was thinking, what can I do? And then I realized I can give up my house for Olivia's friends and family that are coming in from out of town. To me, that is like model behavior for the way that you can effectively help someone who is actively grieving. Because what happens to the people around someone who just lost someone is they have this overwhelming feeling of helplessness and understandably so. It's like, you know, there's nothing you can do to bring that person back. And so you're so sad for the person you want to be there for them, but you don't know how to be there. So you send food, you, you know, just be there with your presence. But, and again, all like beautiful things that are very appreciated, but in that moment to say, okay, here is something I can factually do that will make their life easier because the last thing they want to be thinking about right now is logistics is so fucking appreciated. And I really have to hand it to chef for that one, because that's to me, if I'm Olivia, that is like one of the the best things someone could do for me. Yeah, I think everything that they all did was such a testament to how well they know their friend and like really wanted to be there. Like Vanita hosting that thing at her house and the, them saying, let's like, you know, get the girls together and do a little something. I think Olivia would really appreciate that and just like kind of testing her temperature to see like what she needed in that time was just so important. And it also put everything into fucking perspective. Like, that dinner party last week, you know, all of that, it just completely is like out the window. It, nobody cares about it anymore. It's so insignificant. And you're right. It, like seeing them all band together and just like come together in that moment, it reminds you of just the community and this like actual deep friendship and group and relationships that they have. No, I thought it was really special. And the other thing is that it's such a unique circumstance to have this time in one's life, like be filmed, like to have something like this documented is obviously not the norm. And I actually think there's a piece of Olivia that could at some point in the future, find that to be maybe helpful or healing. And that like, at the time you, you block that out, you know? And so to really have this like 
tangible showing of the way the people around you care for you so deeply. I don't know. I, I could imagine a world in which that's that's comforting. And I actually, another point that I wanted to make is when they're at Vanita's house and it's Leva, Vanita and, and Olivia, and they're having this like very vulnerable moment. And then Taylor walks in and uh, listen, it's understandably maybe a little bit awkward because of what they're just coming off of. However, this is like prime example of how nothing else matters in this moment and people just come together. But I wanted to say, aside from the fact that for Olivia to like have this moment filmed and documented was was probably kind of strange, although I do think that there's a world in which it could be healing. I want to just acknowledge, because we're recording this before the episode came out, so I don't know the reaction that people are going to have, but I think that it's really like strange to be someone who's attempting to comfort someone else in the wake of such a tragic loss like this and have that be filmed because you don't know the right thing to say always, you know, like you're never going to look back on that and feel like you handled it perfectly because the the reality is there is no perfect way. So I just want to say like, yeah, there were maybe some comments that maybe Taylor made or like it wasn't perfect, but it's never going to be perfect. And I just want to like have a moment for a little bit of grace there because it's it's not normal that that would be documented in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's hard for anyone. So then the pressure of like, this is permanent and going out for everyone to judge. Like, I think any of us would be a little bit freaked out in that situation. You know, not that it's about us, but like it does make it hard to say the right thing when there never is a right thing to say. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, as a side to this, obviously this wasn't in this episode, but just something we know in in the real life events, this was in January of this year that Olivia's brother passed away. And then in June of this year, Taylor's brother passed away, which is just so tragic. And to have that knowledge while you're watching this episode and, you know, you have Olivia and Austin both, which I want to talk about the Austin of it all in a second, but both talking about like the unique bond of losing a sibling. And then this eerie feeling of knowing that Taylor, unfortunately, will also be able to relate to that. Oh my God. That was like really fucking me up. I did not remember that until you said it. And then it all came flooding back to me. I mean, God, that that is just so heartbreaking. And like to see Taylor's reaction through all of this and then to know that it's going to happen to her too, it's just uh, crushing. It's really, really so sad. Like I don't have a better word than just th- this whole thing was so sad. And, you know, I mean, I think that even if Austin never had the experience of losing a sibling, this would have hit him very hard because it's it's always a strange feeling when you're in such a like bizarre spot with someone and you don't feel entirely comfortable and then something happens where you want to be able to be there for them and you like you really don't know how to be there for them because of the current dynamic. But on top of that, how triggering this was for him and just what it brought up, I just really was feeling for him because I think it was a lot to process. Yeah. I think between his position and also his life experiences and also where he is in that whole circle of the friendship, it was like, it was a lot. It was a lot for everybody. You saw him talk about this in therapy, which first of all, like generally speaking, just getting him in therapy and and being able to see that I found to be really interesting because it's something that we've spoken about a lot, like wondering what a therapy session with him would would look like. Yeah, it felt but huge for the community. It did feel huge for the community. Yeah. But on top of that, like really getting to see the specifics and what this brought up for him. And then on top of it, the therapist making that point when he's kind of wondering like, why is it that I always fuck these things up to say, possibly because of the tragedy that your family endured and and watching your parents go through that together. You know, when you get to a certain point with someone, it's not just, could I build a life with this person, but also could I withstand these types of tragedies with the person? And that makes the stakes a lot higher. And like all these revelations that I think 
he was maybe hearing out loud for the first time, which could be super intense. I mean, when the therapist said that thing about as soon as he gets in a relationship and gets in deep, he pushes away and he's afraid. I was like, have you been listening to our podcast? I know, no, I know. And he, you can tell like what was happening for him here, aside from like just hurting for Olivia so badly and wanting to be there for her, it was also catapulting him into this reflective space that I don't think he necessarily anticipated entering at that moment. Yeah, I I think he came in to that therapy session thinking it would be about one thing and it all showed exactly how interlaced it all is, you know, as the conversation progressed. The the conversation also with his parents was pretty yeah, was pretty f- fascinating. It's it's interesting because they seem to have such a beautiful relationship. Like when they're talking about being best friends and how the friendship is the thing that was able to carry them through such a dark time and he seems to have such a wonderful, respectful, loving relationship with his parents that it's like I don't as much as we have criticized him in the past and I think that it was behavior that was worth criticizing, I still root for him. Like I I can't see myself ever not rooting for Austin. I want I want him to have the life that like he should in theory be able to have. I know because it's he's so much going for him and so many things that are just bringing him back that like ugh, the roadblocks are movable. He just like doesn't want to move them. I know, I know. I think it's a pretty shitty thing to say though that like this person is just never going to change. Like I don't know, I'd rather I'd rather be optimistic and be proven wrong than be like so fucking cynical about someone's yeah. life path, yeah. you know? I know. I don't know. I just, I really felt for Olivia and everyone this episode. And I thought that, I mean, not that there, there's no right way to handle any of this, but the grace and strength that Olivia showed in this moment, I thought was very admirable. And I just think it's interesting because I really felt like we did not know her for such a long time there. And I really feel like we are getting to know her so much better. And I just have, I have a lot of respect for her and I, my heart really went out to her. Same. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt, and now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. Told you guys about this company before, but I'm going to tell you again, and I'm honestly not going to stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market. In a recent customer survey, 96% said that Bowen brand sheets get softer with every wash, which I didn't take that survey, but if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you, it's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer and then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company, first of all, they're made with the rarest 100% organic on and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They have over 11,000 reviews, 30 night worry-free guarantees. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California King, I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. 
Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bowl & Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at bowlandbranch.com. That's Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I don't know. I just kind of feel like everyone's glazing over this Mary son being married thing. <laughs> Including Mary. And Meredith. I was like, wait, you realize that this would be like if you came home and found out that Brooks was married. Like, this is the, like, <laughs> what? Mary Cosby confuses me more and more as the, as the weeks and the episodes go on, but like, it never gets old. No, it never gets old. I am fascinated by her. Like, absolutely fascinated by her every single move. There could be not one other person on the screen and I could just watch her go about her daily life and I would be fascinated. I've never... I've never witnessed someone who operates in the way that she does. It's so interesting. I mean, there rarely is someone else on the screen. A lot of times it's just her doing her thing and it's as entertaining as can be. Right. Because I guess she doesn't, <laughs> she, she doesn't want to be with them. Right. No, she doesn't. And she gets away with it. Let me tell you one thing. This lunch at Angie's popped the fuck off in such a bizarre way. I did not think this wholesome bunny Easter daytime family event was going to go down like this. A couple of things that I want to say, obviously we have to get into the Monica and her mom of it all, but I do feel like the conversation with Heather and Lisa was one of the more honest ones we've had. Yes. And it, even though it wasn't like necessarily positive, I do think it really showed their evolution as friends because there's no world that them a few seasons ago would have been comfortable interacting with one another that vulnerably. No, and I felt like, they were both very honest and leveled with each other on like, this is how I'm feeling. And they just like weren't jumping down each other's throats and were kind of hearing each other out when they were not seeing eye to eye, which like is okay. And I think they realized that it doesn't need to go to a level 100 every time they don't see eye to eye. And like, maybe they do want to work it out and talk it out and hear where the other one's coming from. I did think Heather bringing up the book was an interesting element and kind of let Lisa in a little bit onto where some of the hostility is going and how Heather has painted the picture in her mind of like this whole issue and the religion and how she views it as a whole, you know, maybe how she wasn't viewing it as just like my son doing what he wants and not how she saw it from her perspective. But I'd also think that that is a super fascinating conversation between the two of them and just like how you move on you know, with really different beliefs and values than your friends. Oh, totally. And also when Lisa says, you know, I think I don't have the exact quote, but it was something like your book is called Bad Mormon and I'm trying to focus right now on my son being a good Mormon. Like that is a very unique conversation for housewives to have. Like that's not your run of the mill storyline. The subject matter I would say is certainly unique to the situation. She feels as though she can't support Heather's, you know, current business venture, which is based on her previous experience because Lisa's son is embarking on like said experience. It, it, you know, it just, those are the moments when you're like, oh, right. Salt Lake City, because it's in Salt Lake City is different. Right. And that's why it's important to have different cities and different like backgrounds or, or else they'd all be fighting about the same shit. Exactly. Like, well, listen, the infidelity rumors, this, that, or we've seen that a million times. That could be any single city. Yeah. You're not getting this particular conversation anywhere but Salt Lake City. No, but think about Heather giving the context of like, you know, my cousin showed up in a cardigan once and everyone thought he was gay. You know, maybe if Angie and her husband lived in New York and he was a hairdresser, people wouldn't be saying that. But because of where they are, like, it's perhaps a different situation. But totally. I don't know. I just think it's, it's again, fascinating and it's eye-opening into like other 
people and cultures and friend groups and like the, the real drama. Totally. Also the, the Angie Monica thing, I mean, it has nothing to do with Angie and Monica. It's really more so the thing to analyze here is Monica and her mom. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Like, whoa. Let me first start out by saying, I feel entirely uncomfortable criticizing Monica for the way she handled this, even as admittedly cringy as it kind of was to watch go down. To me, there's just no way that if Monica is going to be as vulnerable as she was in her confessional and say, and be so emotional, and you could hear the pain in her voice as she's talking and saying, I wish it wasn't like this, but I just wish I had a different mom. For someone to like be in enough pain to feel that way and to say that, I'm sorry, I, I don't have it in me to criticize the way she spoke to her mom at a luncheon that was clearly very triggering for her. Like clearly, clearly what we are seeing is just the fucking tip of the iceberg. There is so much history there. You cannot evaluate this like you would evaluate a normal housewife fight. No, and like, we don't know either of them at all. Like I have seen, you know, collectively one hour of Monica and I've seen five minutes of her mom. Like I don't know anything about them. And I don't know, we just like really jumped right into this like, hot fire fight conversation. I felt really uncomfortable. I felt bad for Monica. Like, you know, you feel like you're a kid being scolded in front of everybody from your mom, but it's also at this big party. You're also an adult. It's also filmed. It just was like, God, there's a lot, a lot there. And it's hard because you feel like they do have this close relationship, but also clearly there's just like so many years of things and issues and I think Monica was feeling really overwhelmed because now her issues with her mom are getting tangled in with her issues with this group. And like, she already was having to juggle both of them. So it both being present in front of her and, you know, her mom not necessarily being supportive is like worst case. Okay. Yeah. Like all of everything that you just said. And then on top of that, I don't know if she saw it go down in real time, but she'll certainly see when she watches the episodes the other women criticizing her for talking to her mom like that. Oh my God. If I'm her, my blood is boiling. Again, not to say that they're not allowed to have a reaction, but oh my God, she's probably like, you have no fucking idea what what has gone on in my life and between us. And I just, I, I just, I really, really felt for her. Like, I'm sure this is not behavior that she's proud of. I'm not saying it's exemplary. I did find it a little bit hard to watch, but this is a girl in pain. I'm sorry, you don't act like that. And specifically, you don't say something like that in your confessional unless you are really in pain about your relationship with your mom. And specifically for us who have been like so fortunate to, to, view and and have viewed our moms like so overwhelmingly positively and lovingly, it's not our place to criticize how she may feel. It's just not. No. And it's unfortunate because when it comes to the other women, it's like the politically correct, you know, proper thing to do is obviously like, you don't speak to your mom that way. And like how, you know, her mom, like you respect your elders. So their natural inclination is like, oh my God, how could she speak to her mom like that when they're not even hearing what her mom is saying? Right. You know, like if her mom was a friend or a sister, they would probably be like, how could her sister say that? But, you know, because it's her mom, you sort of get away with it. So I think, yeah, that like also added to the all eyes on her, everyone judging the situation. It's embarrassing. It's just like, oh. No, I just, I when she said, you know, it makes me feel like little Monica again, I felt like, I felt that for her before she even said it. That's exactly yeah. what I was picking up on. You could tell. Yep. And, you know, I think you one thing you have to hand to her, she's, she's certainly honest. Oh my God. And I appreciate that. I mean, even when she said that to Angie, she's like, what? like affair, divorce, foreclosure, like, you know, I put it, it's all out there. So 
there's nothing you can really say or hide from me. So I think she just really wears her heart in her sleeve because she doesn't know any other way. Right. And again, you take the power back when you are the one to call it, call it out. I always feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Whirlwind of an episode, but here we are another week and Beverly Hills next week, baby. I was going to say we are rapidly approaching Beverly Hills and Miami and Miami. Oh my God, guys. Oh my God. Yeah. We got some good things ahead of us. I think that is all. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. Thank you for watching these shows in the way that we do and just caring about the shit. It is so fun for other people to care and we love you. 